Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. everyone, welcome to My Millennial Money Express. I'm Glenn James and today we're talking about NFTs. We've got a good friend of the podcast, Alex German. Welcome back to the My Millennial World, Alex. Thanks for having me back. It's my pleasure. I haven't ruined your reputation from my previous episode. No, no. Excellent. Actually, your episode that you did with us on the My Millennial Money podcast about how to manage money in your 20s is probably our most popular episode ever. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Lucky it? I know that after rather than before because no pressure. Exactly. So don't stuff it. Okay. So we're talking about NFTs. What exactly is an NFT? Well, NFT stands for non-fungible token. And I like to think about them comparative to a collectible like uh, trading card or like art, uh, except digital. And similar to cryptocurrency in that they are stored and uh, traded on blockchain. But I guess it's a new space in terms of internet and digital assets. And it's been around for a few years, but still very, very green. Yeah. And Alex is actually, she works in cybersecurity. So she's in kind of this pseudo tech world. So. <laughs> And I like to keep my finger on the pulse as a millennial. Exactly, exactly. So, how does an NFT actually work? So, it's the ownership of a token or a certificate, basically, that says you are the owner of this digital asset. They can be created and then bought and sold or traded, basically. Uh, Then bought and sold using cryptocurrency, usually Ethereum, and usually um, on a broker website. I think OpenSea is a pretty popular one. Yeah, I one. looked at that one as well. But I think it's important to understand the uh, blockchain technology behind it, which is, I like to explain, and you can tell me because this is kind of new to me as well. It's a public ledger that's encrypted that thousands of computers around the world verify that Glenn has sent one Bitcoin, for example, to Alex and it's verified. Yeah. And so we do have traditional ledgers in in banking and in share trading, but this is a new concept that is decentralised as opposed to centralised as part of a bank or um, chess, I guess, would be the comparison, right? And it's kind of like, remember when there was like LimeWire and you could download an MP3, so it was peer-to-peer. Yep. So if I was downloading an MP3 illegally, allegedly, I would possibly be downloading it from three people's computer mm-hmm. at the same time. Yep. So it's this peer thing. Yeah, and it's supposed to improve transparency and I guess it's a concept that isn't relatively new but has lots of new applications and it will, will be really interesting to see how what part of our digital life and the internet it makes up in the future. Yeah, so 
am I right in saying that the NFT, the non-fungible token, they've so we'll go to the meme that is the fire girl meme. It's the little girl looking a bit smug at the camera and in the background the house is on fire. Mm-hmm. She's recently sold this as an NFT for about $500,000. Yep. So the technology, and it's kind of this weird thing. I don't think we need to know in detail how the technology works, but just understand the concept. So they've taken the original photo and almost wrapped it in code and formed a token. That's right. To verify that item. That's right. And one person can own that token. It can't be split up. It's not in the same way as copyright or actual ownership of the distribution or redistribution of that video, but it is sort of like bragging rights to be the owner of the token that is associated with the video of that creator. So it holds more weight for the creator to be the one generating the NFT, just like it makes more sense for you to own an NFT from Picasso as opposed to someone that's copied um, a piece of art from Picasso and created their own token. Yeah, so it's just basically digital collectibles almost. That's right. So I like the trading card example because it's more accessible for the everyday person to be owning and possibly collecting and trading uh, trading cards. They're at a price point that makes more sense, but there's also trading cards that are NFTs trading for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just as we're recording this a couple of days ago, there was the fight with... um, Logan Paul. Logan Paul and Floyd Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather. Did you see that Logan Paul was wearing a Pokemon card around his neck worth like a million dollars? So when I reached out to you about NFTs a few months ago, that was around the time that Logan Paul was creating his own NFTs. So influencers are getting into this space and using their popularity online and with people that are participating in uh, new digital concepts like NFTs and cryptocurrencies. So I wonder, so for example, the first ever episode of My Millennial Money, Mm -hmm. I could possibly wrap that up as an audio file, as an NFT and sell it online and then I could just remove it from the podcast I'm happy to stand corrected, but I don't think you have to actually remove it. Yeah. It may actually increase the value to a prospective buyer if it was wrapped up in some sort of promise that you would remove it and it increases the scarcity of Mm. that asset. But what you're owning is a token of ownership, not necessarily copyright or actual redistribution rights to that. And that's what I kind of, um, I like to say is, you know, the uh, Starry Night, Van Gogh, and, you know, hugely famous, probably worth millions and millions of dollars. In my old office, I actually had a canvas version of that, a printed one that was on the wall. And, you know, there was a joke to people like, yeah, I've got this, you know, you can can buy it off me today for a million dollars if you want. Like, it means nothing because it's not the original. So, there's copies out there, but it's not the original. Just like you can go and watch... Um, any of those videos or the memes, see them on the internet or post it on your Twitter, on your mm. Instagram. But there's a special ownership that you might have if you own the NFT. How much that means to the everyday person now is probably pretty little, but it may have a different bearing or, or weight in the future when blockchain and cryptocurrency and NFTs potentially become a bigger part of our, our lives. 
I think as well, like, oh, who would spend $500,000 on a meme or, you know, the first tweet, I think, sold for almost $3 million. You've got to think, like, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of rich billionaires out there. If you're totally balling it and you have all the money in the world, oh, first tweet, $3 million, yeah, sure, I'll grab it. Like, that's fun. I think there's also an opportunity for people who are dialed into internet culture and to artists who may be able to see or predict growth of an influencer or an artist and buy something as an early adopter Mm. that they think or they predict will continue to grow in the future. So you might buy one of Logan Paul's first releases of an NFT because you you think this Floyd Mayweather fight is going to happen. He's going to do more boxing matches. He's going to have broader popularity than he does now. I think if I get in as an early adopter, his NFT might be worth more in the future. So it's not the same as cryptocurrency? No. It's leveraging the same technology as cryptocurrency, which is blockchain, and you would use cryptocurrency as a way to purchase. Right. So how can people buy an NFT if they wanted to? And is it a good investment? Well, I can't give financial advice. Oh, can't you? That's why you're here. No, it's definitely not (laughs) why I'm here. I'm a novice, just like most of the people that are listening. Mm. Um, You can buy a NFT on um, an online broker. Uh, broker. Yeah. Yep. OpenSea was the example yep. from before, but I'm sure that there's plenty of others. Mm. And I think in most cases you need to have Ethereum yeah. to purchase them. And then I guess an online identity or an account in which you attach your ownership to that NFT. I would imagine as well, I don't know this, but like I can put Bitcoin on a USB stick and put it in a safe at home. I would imagine you should be able to transfer that digital asset offline. Well, it has to live on blockchain. So how do you take it? But so does Bitcoin. Yeah. So So how do you take Bitcoin? I think they use uh, some cold storage thing. I, I don't know. And maybe we can talk about in another episode, we might do some research and come back next month and- yep. And talk about that, but because I'm thinking, because you know those stories where people are like, oh, I had 300 coins on my USB stick and I threw it out, and yeah. now I could be worth more than God, but I've lost the USB stick. So you can actually, they call it cold storage, so you can get it offline. So at least if your uh, broker gets hacked, that they can't steal it. Mm. So I think it is, um, it's definitely possible. Yeah, with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and I'm only assuming that you can do the same with an NFT. We'll take that as sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, But in terms of is it a good investment, like I said, can't give financial advice. Personally, I don't own any NFTs. I've looked at some, but I don't think that I have enough of my finger on the pulse in terms of people generating NFTs. Like meme culture and online culture and stuff. I definitely do participate in online culture, but not to the point where I'm willing to put my hard-earned dollars into it. Like I looked on the OpenSea brokerage account and like there's just so much crap on there. Like Mm. someone drew a photo of like a, I don't know, Minecraft looking unicorn Mm -hmm. and tried to sell that. It's like, it means nothing, but I think you're probably more right in terms of the investment. A good investment, the only way to know a good investment is hindsight. The only way to know a bad investment is hindsight. Yeah. The the one that interests me most is the sale of NFTs for domain names. Mm. So I think the domain names are .crypto and .eth. So 
I mean, I feel like the ship has sailed somewhat, but if you picked up apple.crypto and Apple decide that they want to create their own cryptocurrency and they want to they want to hold on to that domain name, yeah. you, you, you could sell, if you've bought it, you could sell it to them in that NFT form. And I think there's plenty of people who picked up domain names um, at the birth of the internet that made a substantial amount of money selling them on to people who wanted them for more than they purchased it for. Well, even uh, like, cause it is digital real estate. And years ago when I interviewed Upbank, I think they alluded to when they purchased the domain up.com.au, I might be making this up, but I think they insinuated that they paid more than $20,000 for that domain. Yeah. It's so difficult to put a price on it that makes sense today and will make sense in years to come. But this goes back to any art, any collectible, any, like the last Holden on Commodore made in Melbourne or in Victoria recently sold at auction for $700,000. Like stuff only sells to the point where someone else is willing to pay more and want it more than you. That's right. So... You'll never know for sure. And that's why it's non-fungible. That's right. It's unique. Yeah. So I guess it's a really volatile asset, Mm. really speculative. But if you had, you know, if it was at a price point that made sense for you and the disposable income that you might have, then it might be something to dabble in from an interest perspective. Mm. But in terms of a sure thing, I mean, no investment is a sure thing, but this is probably one of the most volatile um, digital assets that I'm aware of. Totally. Do you have any final comments? On doing some research into NFTs and what it could look like in the future, there were some interesting suggestions around NFTs being used as collaterals for um, insurance contracts and options and bonds. So, I think there's potentially some growth in terms of how they're used, so things like peer-to-peer lending and yeah, you being actually used as collateral in the future. Obviously, it's well in the future, but there's so many things in terms of banking and the internet that 20, 30 years ago we, we didn't know we'd be doing today. And, and it's, it's funny because, you know, if you're five years old today, you've grown up with an iPad, and probably even older, 10 years old, you've grown up with an iPad. What is real to you is online. Not like we're kind of half-half. Mm-hmm. Our parents are probably, what? what's the internet? Like if I said to my dad, oh, do you have Instagram? He'd be like, what's that? Like extreme example. Yep. I think we're at a convergence of the start of online being perceived as real. Mm-hmm. I think, especially when I think about cryptocurrency and you know what that will look like in the future, our parents probably couldn't foresee a world where they barely touch cash, where they never really got paid in anything tangible and they don't pay for things tangibly. Now you can, you never really see cash that you get from I your don't know employer. what to do with cash. Yep. You pay for things with your watch or with mm. your phone. To think that you could purchase a car with a watch for our parents' generation would be completely out of this world. It makes me, this is fascinating because do you invest or I won't say invest, um, do you hold cryptocurrency yourself? A small amount, yeah. yes. And I think there's two applications of cryptocurrency. Mm. At the moment, the volatility of cryptocurrency is an opportunity for people to- Make a quick buck. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I have a bit of FOMO and Same. so that's, <laughs> that's why I hold some. 
Um, but in future, I do predict that cryptocurrency will be something that we buy and sell, not in the traditional way I think that we know now with cash, but in a totally different way. But I wouldn't be collecting cryptocurrency because I thought I'd be buying bread and milk with it in the future. Yeah. Because it makes me think like in 20 years time, if crypto or Bitcoin or Ethereum, and we don't know what, if, if society moves to crypto, I don't think it's, it's kind of sitting in the background because I've said this a billion times, but until you can settle a government debt with that currency, it's the same as me holding US dollars, worth something in the great wild world. But if I owe the government my tax bill, they don't take US dollars. Mm. So it's actually for me to trade US currency and hold that and all that, it means nothing where I live. But even trading foreign currency is not a typical strategy for most investors. Well, it's not an investment. Yes. But I don't think that in the same way that most people wouldn't trade foreign currency. Yeah, I think people should see trading cryptocurrency in, a, in the same way. And I see a comparison to um, things like Bitcoin and Ethereum and Ripple that are um, kind of emerging as the common and widely used cryptocurrency. Is Litecoin still a thing? I don't know. I made so much money on Litecoin like seven, eight years ago. I think they're like the USD, the pound, the euro, the yen of the mm. world. And then things like uh, Hush, I think was an influencer one, Gosh. and Dogecoin. Oh. I think that's like the Swiss franc of this world. Like, why are you collecting Swiss francs when there's such a small market for their use? So I think there'll be an emergence of, well, there is an emergence of popular cryptocurrencies. I think retailers, organisations will use or accept those as their method of payment. And anyone who's collected some fringe cryptocurrency might find it difficult to use it in the, in the future and less demand for that. I, yeah, and this is like, I think, going back to like 20 years time, if it was Bitcoin, for example, if it was Ethereum, for example, that because it could like Facebook, they've been quiet on their currency, like Libra or whatever that what was it called, Libra or something like that. Anyway, whatever the is the gold standard, quote unquote, of currency in 20 years, today I want to be long on it. Mm. And yeah, it's just, it's that catch 22 because it is such an unknown thing. It goes back to your basic investment principles where you don't want to uh, put all your eggs in one basket. If you want an allocation, I say if you want an allocation to like single stocks or anything sexy or weird, don't go more than 10% of your net worth. Mm. But I would probably say for cryptocurrency, if you're doing it as an investment, don't go more than 2% of your net worth. That makes sense. But in terms of if you thought that you were going to be using Bitcoin to pay for things in the future, if you thought Australia was going to move to use the pound in the future as our currency, mm. would you go and buy a whole bunch of the pound or would you trust that it would be readily available and somewhat stable in terms of how much you could buy it for? I, If it was the pound, because it's incumbent in the world, I feel like I'll just cut over when we cut over. But because we are at a frontier, do you get in now? I don't know. You could, you could. But, you, but you do expose yourself to risk. Yeah. And yeah, I guess everyone has to assess in their own personal situation whether they're willing to expose themselves to risk. And to be honest, anyone who says they know, they don't. Like, you just don't. And 
anyway, at the risk of turning this into a full episode, we might wrap it up there. But it's been great to chat. But we might um, we might catch up again in a couple of months and do another little cryptologist chat. Alex, our resident cryptologist. Is a cryptologist the right word? I don't know. Cryptographer is a is a term. Yeah, what's a cryptographer? I can't even say it. Someone that works in the crypto space, really? but more from a security perspective. Uh, like encryption or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is wild. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 